gentlemen, Legionnaires, welcome to this, your Legion of Myth live stream. Today's episode is number 165 on the 2nd of June, 2018. Now, normally you'd be hearing the dulcet tones of Alex Garthon Marsh, but today, yeah, he's on vacation. He, he, he left. He left me. I, I, I feel betrayed. Uh, and with me, Brett Heathenogris, we have Rick Algarian Hart. Say hello, Rick. Hello. How are you guys doing? Yeah, excellent. All right, now, today we have a great show for you, one that is not going to fill you with hate at all. First off, we have Heathen Dogs, Heathen Dogma, RPG Fundamentals, the Hero System, specifically the Champions Hero System. And after that, we have Elgarian Cinema Review, where he's going to rank all of the Star Trek... Star Trek, I said Star Trek. That, that's funny, right? All the Star Wars movies, in yeah, order, from too. best to worst. And, since he's seen Solo... He's going to give that review and then plug Solo in where it goes on the list. It's going to be great, isn't it? Oh, it's going to be fantastic. I'll get uh, just withhold my address because I don't want to be getting an email. <laughs> phone number will be in the credits. Okay. <laughs> a special thank you to our subscribers for Twitch and Patreon. Thank you very much. Please be sure to like this video, follow or subscribe to Legion of Myth and comment live on Twitch. Right over there. Or below in YouTube. That'd be great. And, of course, we have our Streamlabs donators, our Twitch cheers, PayPal donators, and uh, the people who donate video games that we play on Twitch, and they watch us get hurt and cry. Or scared and cry. Or basically just cry. They really like to see us cry. Uh, and, of course, you can like, subscribe, and comment. And you can find us all on Twitch, YouTube, uh, Twitter, Discord, Amino. And uh, uh, G2A uh, with 70,000 products cheaper than anywhere. They have video games, they have pre-releases, loot crates, and more. So check that out. You can also find this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music, and any fine podcast aggregate anywhere. Now, of course, you can support us in a different way with paid transcriptions, streamlines, donations, like I told you, PayPal, of course. But you can also get the LOM gear, Legion of Myth gear. That's right. Impress your friends. Be there before it was cool. Put on the hipster glasses and a wool cap in June. Good to go. Oh, wait. Did I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to upset Elgarian. Oh. <laughs> no, he didn't. Just, no, no. And, of course, if you want to cheer, you could go ahead and cheer. Type in cheer. Type in, type in the amount of bits you want to give us, and we will thank you very much. And now it's time for our disclaimer. Elgarian, go ahead and f find your safe space, because we're going there. <laughs> the opinions expressed in this episode are solely the opinions of the individual host or commentator and are not representative of the entire Legion of Myth organization. Especially if it's related to Star Wars. Especially if it's related to Star Wars. Very good. Very good. I should have added that in there. While we make an effort to provide a family-friendly atmosphere, there, are many, there may be occasional use of foul or offensive language. Like, say, something is out of the top three besides A New Hope. I don't know. Something like that. Thank you for your understanding and continued viewership. See, that was good, right? That was good. You feel safer yeah. now? I do. I do. Excellent, because that, that's how we roll. I've been, now, I've been disclaimed. Yeah. You have been disclaimed. Good. Now, uh, we're gonna we're gonna start with uh, with the da 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 Ethan Dog Tabletop Fundamentals with Champions, the complete sixth edition. Now, uh, the Hero System is what this is based off of, and the Hero System prides itself on its on its ability to mold itself into whatever you need, whatever uh, genre you want the hero system can accommodate you now they have uh sp specific 
lines like like champions that uh, already mold toward that genre for you. You don't have to do the work. The work is already done. Champions is a, as you couldn't tell by the picture, is a superhero adventure model. So all of the stuff is is molded toward a comic book type bent. So they've done the heavy lifting, well half the heavy lifting for you, and now you can just jump into a superhero campaign of any power level that you want. You want galactic power level, you can do that. You want you want Batman or or uh, the the mystery power level, you got that too. So it's it's up to you and the game master what you how you want to play it. Now let's talk about. Uh, the uh, publication and publisher and such. The publication, this thing has gone through six editions. I'm working off the sixth edition for this review. I own the fourth edition. Max Liao owns the fifth, and I believe Garthon owns fourth or fifth as well. And uh, first, second, and third were before my, my time into getting into multiple gaming systems, so I don't actually have any of those. Uh, publisher, of course, Hero Games. Uh, and the price, the for the sixth edition, you can get the PDF for $20 from their website. Uh, you can get the soft cover black and white book for $40. And if you can find it on eBay, you're a better person than I am because I couldn't find it. Not this specific book. I could find your basic 6th edition hero game system that isn't already, you know, written toward the superhero genre, but I couldn't find the champion's book complete with the rules and everything. Now they have they have a a, a champion's uh, guide to the hero system where you have to buy the main hero system book and then buy the guide this one is both those things rolled into one so it's everything you need under under one deal uh cregan uh ron edwards is doing an update of the first through third edition champions as champions now on kickstarter now well cool that's great I, uh, later on you can tell us why you know why he chose first through third edition champions instead of fourth fifth or sixth I don't know. It is interesting that first through third editions are all made within a four-year period. You know, that's that is true. Yeah, course. it's like eighty-one first edition. No, we got to fix that. Eighty-two is like no, no, that's not okay. Third edition, great. Okay, that lasts a little longer. Fourth mm-hmm. edition came out. Okay, no, this is it. This is all we need right here, and that lasted for three years. <laughs> then fifth edition came yeah. out, but that lasted eight years before sixth edition. So. It's possible that the 5th and 6th edition differences are just cosmetic. Because uh, for something that to stay along that uh, along for that long, seems like it was working. And, you know, but whatever. We're, we're going 6th edition today, so we're good. Now, let's start this thing off. Now, what's great about this system is all the powers are so generic, you can, and you have the ability to make them however you want. Literally anything you want to do, you can do in the hero system. Now, I chose champions because the you really get to see this come to life in a super heroic setting. Six edition is very solid. There you go. And, uh, for example, see, every power is very generic. There is ranged attack. Ranged attack. Hand, hand-to-hand attack. Okay. That's it. That's it. That's the description. That's wow. that's that's the description of the power. Now you get to it has a different sections for customizing those powers. You get special effects for free, like electrical, darkness, wind. Yeah, this is a ranged attack, but it's an electrical ranged attack. This is a ranged attack, but it's a wind. It's like a wind knife. Yeah, it's a ranged killing attack. Woo! And then you get you get the power attributes, the perceivability. Perceivability is uh, 
how obvious is it that the power is happening and how obvious is it that it's coming from you or how obvious is that it's coming from say an item you have like if you're a if you're a modern day wizard and you have you have a uh uh, an enchanted necklace and you have to touch it and close your eyes and it glows when the power goes off well it's obvious that the powers come from the necklace or are you professor x mentalist and nothing is obvious about this nothing it's all invisible all in the mind you know and then duration uh is it instant is it persistent or is it uh, is it uh, is it maintainable in some other way? Does it have a set duration? Uh, do you have to concentrate on it, or is it just just happen like a fireball or something like that? Okay, great. Then you have power modifiers. You know, th these are these are uh, additions to the power that make it more effective, and of course it makes it cost more in character generation. But for uh, if you buy a range killing attack, which is a machine gun, you can have the bullets be armor piercing. And so uh, only half of your opponent's armor will be effective against this, against your attack. Or you can have a hole in the middle. Hole in the middle is very cool if you have a zero range explosion power. A zero range explosion power is usually not a good idea because you're in the middle of this explosion. Hmm. But if your power has a hole in the middle, everything standing around you is fine. Everything else gets blown up. Hmm. Which is funny. If you're like, the yeah. bad guy bomber calls himself the mad terrorist or something. That would be a bad thing too. You just accidentally make your character wrong, and the first time you use your power, and you're like, "Oh shoot!" I forgot to <laughs> yeah, the game master <laughs> didn't tell you. Oh, yeah. by the way, I forgot to tell you, you're you're a walking, uh, reusable, uh, suicide bomber. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have power limitations. These are these are uh, uh, these are things that make the power less effective but it gives you it gives you back character points so it makes them cheaper uh one of these is increased endurance now in, endurance is a stat kind of like uh kind of like a you know endurance is in real life you know the the more you use it the more you run out of it you get tired you can't run anymore well in, uh powers punches running flying they all have some kind of endurance drain all right. Uh, if power has increased endurance, using this power gives a much more significant drain per usage than normal. Or okay, the noticed, power. I've noticed some games that when you select power limitations, is it kind of like uh, you're getting more points to spend elsewhere? You're getting more points to spend elsewhere or on the same power. Okay. You, you can get more dice for damage if you limit your energy blast and put the savings back into the very same energy blast. I like that. Yeah, there you go. Or you can have charges. Now, uh, back with my armor piercing in the in the uh, power modifiers. Uh, let's say you have a clip, a six six round clip. That means you have six bullets in this thing. After you shoot those six bullets, you have to stop and reload. And usually, usually when a power is like this, you have, you know, if you have six charges, it's six charges per day. All right. So let, let let's move it up to thirty charges. All right, thirty charges. After thirty charges is done, that's like. Maybe for a, uh, for a handgun, that's going to be several clips. After that, you're out. You're out of ammo. But the good thing is, none of these things cost any endurance because they're just they're bullets. They're, they're bought in charges instead. Now, 30 charges is actually a power advantage, but one charge is a severe power limitation. You get a, you get a 66% off on, the, on what it costs to get this power in character generation because you could use it once a day. Uh, an, an example would be if you've if you've seen Iron Man, uh, 
where he has his little uh, he has his little one shot laser thing that cuts through anything on his gauntlet. Mm-hmm. Where after he uses it, he just has to pop it out and it's done. That is one charge. He has one charge per day, but because of that, it is severely powerful because all of the savings were put right back into the same power. It's like that, and it doesn't end there. Uh, you also can have power frameworks. Uh, in, in fourth edition, they had three your three basic power frameworks. In sixth edition, they have two. Now, what this allows you to do is group powers together that are from a similar source or have a similar special effect and get a discount on all of the powers. For example, I get all of my powers from a power ring or from a utility belt or from some kind of super bow or they're all fire-based or they're all wind-based or ice-based or whatever. They're similar. You can group them together to get a discount. Now, what are the what are the two power frameworks we're working with here? One is a multi-power. You have a pool of points that can be distributed between several powers. Each power can be reassigned as a no-phase no action, which means there's a, once per turn, you can you can assign your your pool of, of available percentage of power to several different powers. Let's, for example, the the, the, the Green Lantern power ring. Uh, he can create constructs, force fields, body armor, um, scanning things, uh, flight, uh, regular flight, and uh, superluminal flight, FTL flight. He, he can power four out of these six at full power at a time. Okay, so he has to choose four powers to power at every turn. He can't power them all at once. He can only power some of them some of the time. He can't power them all. He can only power some of them all the time and all of them none of the time. But because of that limitation, he gets a drastic reduction in the price of all the powers. The other is a variable power pool. You can use a pool to to, uh, to fuel your powers just like multi-power, but you can allocate between maximum power and minimum power each power separately. So you could theoretically be using all powers at once but none of them at maximum potential now the problem with this is if you do this during combat and i swear to you i looked through this book three times it does not disallow you to make changes inside combat it will drastically slow down your gameplay because you got this one guy constantly recalculating like 10 powers during his turn you might as well go take a 10 minute nap all right. Every time he does this, so if I were if I were a game master, I would say no. In combat, you cannot reallocate powers. You get what you get, and that's it. But that's me. What else we have? Okay, skills in a lot of role playing games. Uh, early edition Earth Dawn, uh, first and second edition, and advanced uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, skills were not very useful. They had them. They weren't, you know, good in the game really I mean there were flavor that was it it's like wasting points on flavor this is not skills here are great out of the gate Garthon has played 5th edition I, I knew you had 4th or 5th uh, he hasn't played 6th 4th uh, uh, and 5th and 6th uh, from what I understand are not that different but 4th uh, and 6th is a little bit different yeah a variable power pool should really only be used by experienced players and I agree with you on that now, uh, here we go. There's a long list of skills. Uh, I was really surprised. Uh, for example, uh, first edition Earth Dawn, uh, outside of skills that were copies of talents, 
the skill list was pretty marginal. Not a whole lot going on there. But uh, this has you know a co couple of dozen skills out of the gate that are really good, and it it gives it, it gives some framework for building your own skills. You know, if there's a skill there that you don't that you need but don't have, you and the game master can make up for it. For example, my example here: uh, you built an alien character, and he he has a vehicle that he landed on the planet with because he's an alien, so he's from another planet, so he's got a vehicle. But uh, this has a special operator function where you have to operate with your mind. You have to plug yourself in and operate with your mind. You need the skill machine empathy that is based on your ego. You can build that skill very easily. And now, boom, there you have it. But now the skill exists, other, people's can, other people can learn it. So there you are. Now, your base skill level, 90% of the time you start off with a better than 50-50 chance to succeed which is unheard of in most in most skill-based systems. You know, you start off with an 11 or less activation. Now, the way the way they use activation, the way they use rolls here, you take 3d6. You want to roll as low as possible. On this 3d6, if you roll a total of 11 or less, the skill functions. So think about that. 4 4 and 3 is 11. 4 4 and 3 is better than 50% chance that, that the skill is going to function properly. Now, you can use character points to increase this, this activation over. Anywhere from one, one to three character points will increase the activation number by one. So you spend one to three character points depending on the complexity of the skill, and you, that 11 minus will go to a 12, then to a 13, then to a 14. Now, you can go above 18, even though rolling all, all sixes is going to be an automatic failure. You can get a 21 minus if you want, that 21 minus will will still be will still be effectual because it will you will use it to take off situational modifiers like uh, you're hanging upside down or you're being shot at or whatever. That's going to give you modifiers to your roll, and that those extra beyond 17 are going to eat those modifiers away for you. Uh, Garthon, I want to take a look at the champions now Kickstarter. Oh yeah, uh, uh, Cregan is, is is pushing the Kickstarter. It's a uh, version one through three uh, and of course every man's skills are free and this is really cool this is what i really like about this game now uh, some other games do this too but uh th this this game really really does it well because usually you get crap for stuff you really should know by heart like say local geography you should have that down uh basic mathematics if you grew up in you know 21st century usa then you have basic mathematics down um, your your native language you have that fluent including literacy down and they give you i i swear uh, the the example skills for a, for a 21st century uh, high school graduate is something like almost a dozen skills you get for free most between an eight minus or an 11 minus activation and all these skills are useful in your everyday life in your everyday life including your superhero life they can be useful so amazing so far looking great and then there's the rub then then combat starts and it, everything gets weird what's well, right? actually more amazing is that you actually have useful skills after high school that's kind of a new thing oh that's cute <laughs> <laughs> well you have to wait i have still useful skills that i learned in the military right there you go yeah, I... all right now here's here's how combat goes first you have to calculate the ocv the uh offensive combat value of the attacker now it's a base of three 
and plus one to that stat three per five character points spent. Then you determine the, the, the base OCV. Now it's usually the, the, the characteristic I just said. Uh, you add any applicable skill levels. Now, a skill level is is uh, you train specifically hard with the weapon you're using or just punching a bag every day you've trained. Let's say, okay, you write that down. Now, any modifiers for your particular weapon. Uh, you have, you have, if you have a staff, then you have reach. You get modifier to hit because of reach. Okay. Any modifiers for a particular combat or martial maneuver. Are you trained martial artist in this weapon or hand-to-hand -hand attack? Yes or no? That's going to also uh, augment your OCV. Now, any combat modifiers? Is it dark? Is it too bright? Uh, is it foggy? Having trouble seeing? Stuff like that, okay? Apply the range modifier, if applicable. I mean, if you're, if you're using punching or a hand-to-hand -hand weapon, if you're not in front of them, it's not gonna work. But if you're using a ranged weapon, how far away is he? Well, the further away, the more range modifier you get. Okay, do that. Now apply any other modifiers that GM decides is appropriate. Okay, now apply any modifiers that have the OC, have your OCV. Now these are a specific set of modifiers that if yes, they have your OCV. Now there, even if you uh, qualify for several several of these modifiers, only the most damaging one is applied. You don't apply all of them. Now you calculate the DCV of the defender, which is the same as OCV, a base of three plus one for every five character points you put into it, and then. You take the attacker's OCV that we've gone through all these modifiers for, plus 11, have them roll the minus, have them roll the 3d6, take that away, and that is the DCV they can hit. Now, you do that yeah. every time you attack. Now, if you're attacking the same person over and over and they're not changing range and you're not changing weapon, then you don't have to recalculate anything. Now, I want to throw out there that number one, have, after having read all that, I'm a little dizzy. And number two, it actually says in the book, this may look difficult, but in play, it's fine. Oh, if you okay, have to say good, that, <laughs> you lost. <laughs> You've done it wrong. If yeah. you have to reassure people that what they're reading is not a long, drawn-out process, you should have changed the process. All right, And it gets Wait, better. So it gets it's better. Like you oh. had to change the font size just to get that list to fit on one slide. Exactly, I did. I had to change the font size <laughs> to get that all to fit. That is one attack. Now, let's, let's see some of the stuff. Here's the initiative chart. Now, it's good for the most part, but they screw it up at the end. Now, this is based on speed. Speed is a base of two plus one per 10 character points spent. Now, there are 12 segments per turn, and then you find your speed on the chart on the, on the, chart on the left, and you find what segment you are on the top and you take a line and if it meets in a hero symbol you get to go that that turn or that that segment if it does not you do not get to go seems seems straightforward right ties go to whoever higher decks if two people have the same decks they roll off with that formula that you see down there decks divided by five plus nine minus three d6 highest result wins now after the first round this thing is completely straightforward. I mean, after the first turn, this thing is completely straightforward. Boom, boom, boom. Everyone knows how they go. Everyone knows the order. Everyone rolled off already and you're good to go. But they killed the uniformity to uh, for the lowering your speed mechanic. You can voluntarily lower your speed at, uh, before a round starts so you can change where your actions fall in the chart. That means 
every turn you might have to re-roll re off. You're going to have to reallocate where everyone goes, when everyone goes, because someone decided to lower their speed. That means that this thing could be bogged down before every turn, every single time. I don't so like it. Took it. Me a while to, it took me a while to figure out the pattern. So it's just uh, character speed per 12 segments, one, yep. two, three, four. Okay. I was, yeah, okay, I got you. Yep. Now, a, a significant difference between fourth and sixth edition is that fourth edition, if you had a speed of one, you didn't go on seven, you went on 12. So you went last. But in sixth edition, you go on seven which I think is nice for those people who got a speed of one for some reason, even though you start with a two. Maybe you got hobbled or something. I don't know. Oh, and it gets even better. Here's the language chart. Yay. Oh, God. I'll look yeah. at this one. Yeah, this, this language chart, uh, it's, supposed to, it's supposed to make it easier to get skills. As, as you can see, there are there's big black borders. There's uh, roundy gray boxes. Uh, there's thin gray uh, sharp boxes, there's uh, uh, thin gray round boxes. All of these are important because it comes with a chart. Now this chart, if it's a thin box rounded corners, it's considered an overlapping language and you, you get you get a, uh, you get uh, a minus in the number of character points you need to learn it as long as you learn one of the language previously. Like for example, if, uh, if you know Latvian, and you want to learn Lithuanian, you have a, a thick box, rounded corners. Having two or more character points in any language in the group allows the group to be bought at a minus one character point. So you can learn the other language for a cheaper cost. Great. Uh, what if you have a thick box or thin box square corners? Well, you get a minus one to, to learning it. What if you have a thick box square corners and that's no cost or benefit? That's stuff that doesn't have anything. Like the those are the really, really big boxes. The really big black uh, edged boxes. Right? There are no similarities between things outside these boxes, so you get no 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 bonus, no penalty. But what if it's in not in a box at all? It's dissimilar to everything and everything costs more. So for example, learning ancient Mayan doesn't matter what language you knew before ancient mind is different than everything so you get a penalty finnish is some strange <laughs> some strange alien language but uh where is it at in here uh, i can't find it i'm having trouble finding it uh it should be up there but i can't find it danish norwegian swedish it should be up here huh well, if they were alphabetical, that would probably help you find. It would, but no, no, they're 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 not alphabetical. They're they're put into oh, uh, root language uh, similarities. Yep. So it wouldn't be alphabetical. But Japanese and Korean, pff, if you know any other language besides Japanese or Korean, you don't know nothing. You get it's actually harder to learn Japanese if you learn any other language first. Now, would you call this a necessary complication to the game? No, this an is an unnecessary complication. Now, Absolutely. here's the problem, okay? Here's the problem that I found with the system. The problem is getting your your the greatest customizability, customability, custom, whatever, uh, that, that you can find in a game lends itself to this convoluted nonsense. I mean, it has to be. You can't have the customization on one side and have ease of gameplay on the other. I've never seen it done effectively. 
all right? Now, other games don't have as much customization, therefore they don't have as much clunky gameplay. But this one has amazing amounts of customization, so it has amazing amounts of clunky gameplay. Now, some people are going to say that after a while you get the hang of it, don't worry. But again, if you have to say that, something's wrong with your system. So while I love making characters and champions, it takes hours, it does, to, to put your vision on paper. But at the end, unlike many other role-playing systems, it's exactly what's going to be on paper. Your vision, perfectly, in your head, is your character in real life now. He's, he's beautifully done, rendered perfectly in art form on this character sheet. But playing him is going to be a rough process. You have to learn to live with that. And that's it. Oh, Legion of Myth is online. I don't know who... Legion of Myth is on doing that. But. No, I'm typing in Oh, that's you? Okay. All right. But that is my oh my basic overview of the uh, of the Champions 6th Edition Complete Hero System set. Now, if you want me to go through this character generation or go through example gameplay and you're interested to see how this works, then hey, go ahead and throw it in chat. Throw it in, you watch this YouTube, throw it in the comments below, and I will do so. I mean, to be fair, character generation is going to take more than one segment. Because it's going to take a while, but that's that's the way it goes, you know? That's the way it is. Sorry. But that that's what we have. That's my segment. Thank you for watching. I really appreciate it. You can see more of me, uh, the Heathen Dogma, on YouTube, uh, the anime and RPG segments, and team up with Garthon on Warframe and Star Trek Online. And all of my past streams, where I go through all of the content for uh, Star Trek Online as Buck Fats McCool, that's in character, by the way. I role-played that character. And I'll be reviving him very soon. Because uh, uh, come June 5th, that's in three days, they're going to have five more levels of content. So I'll be, I'll be dusting off the McCool, and he'll be flying the skies again, the, the new uh, Delta Quadrant content. And, of course, you can see me on Monopoly Plus, where I win and lose both beautifully and horrendously. And, of course, playing This War of Mine, where I tear my hair out and at the end win fantastically. And playing Amnesia, Dark Descent, and A Machine for Pigs. Thank you, Baldahar. And Outlast and Outlast Whistleblower. You want to hear me scream like a little girl? That's where it's at. And of course, my stream for Monday. You know what? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm waiting for Portal 2 to go on sale so I can play with Elgarian here. So I don't want to yeah, play I'm Portal for that anymore. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to have to eeny, meeny, miny, moe game that I've played before. Or, uh, or maybe Elgarian can, uh, can give me a bargain bin game that I can buy and play. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we can even find a little uh, mini co-op game or something. Yeah, there you go. Cool. Oh, I will be playing Portal 2. Uh, it's going to go on sale in June during the, the, the Steam summer sale. It's going to be half off. I'm going to buy it. And then Elgarian and I are going to play it. Probably yeah, uh, I, Friday I, nights. Yeah. Probably Friday I, nights. I never got to, never got to play the co-op mission, so I'm really looking forward yeah. to that. It's gonna be cool. It's gonna be cool. Now, yeah. speaking of, it's gonna be cool. Let's check out this, the Elgarian Cinema Review: Star Wars: The Definitive Ranking. Take it away. So um, I've locked all the doors in case anybody could get to me before the stream <laughs> ends. You know, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, this is going to be a touchy subject because it, it is always uh, 
what really kind of got me thinking about this, I just recently watched Solo, and I'm actually going to talk about Solo separately in the RNG segment. But uh, all those Star Wars movies, like, how would I rank and file them? And then I also got curious, how did basic society rank and file them? When I look at IMDb re reviews, there's so many. Yeah, you, you could have gone to, you know, Rotten Tomatoes or something like that, but that, that gets a little weird if a, if a movie is really, really one way or the other. Yeah, 90% on you oh, know, Rotten Tomatoes. Craig has become a legionnaire. And now, how do you say your name? Go ahead, throw it in chat phonetically. Cregan? That's what I want to say, Cregan, but I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, Ray. Oh, no. No worries. So, um, yeah, so I look at the IMDb reviews. They get, they get a good spread of uh, people uh, mm -hmm. chiming in. So, like, one of the Star Wars movies had a lot of more than half a million people were reviewing it. Wow, okay. So, uh, you know, you get a good spread, you know? So right. I look at those uh, IMDb reviews as a pretty good, hey, what's the, the pulse of what people really think? Because uh, it's not a it's not a, um, a critic thing. Right, you know? right. It's a, fan, it's a fan thing. Yeah. Okay, well, let's so, kick this pig. What do we got first? Well, um, first things first, we've got episode one, The Phantom Menace. I'm going to do them in sequence here. And oh, I, I like that toy picture. That's nice. Yeah, you know, that's that's straight from the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing that was with Phantom Menace, I had to look at this more as just it's a sci-fi movie. You know, uh, it was a big departure of what I felt Star Wars was. Um, it didn't have the same feel as the original movies. Mm. Uh, it, I left uh, feeling a little disappointed, especially because half the movie seems like a kid's movie. Um, pretty much any scene that dealt with uh, Jake Lloyd's uh, Anakin character it, it was really a, kind of a childish scene, especially when he was doing the outer space battles and stuff like that. Well, he was a kid, but I get yeah, it. He, he was a kid, exactly. So maybe they were trying to appeal to a new audience of children and pull them in. But ultimately, you look at this movie. I mean, it was written and directed by George Lucas. And, of course, you have the big stars, Liam Neeson, Ewan McGregor, and, of course, Natalie Portman. And you'll notice I don't talk about her on the slide much just because she was kind of middle-of-the-road average. She wasn't really a plus or a minus. I think she just kind of, uh, they didn't use her wisely. Yeah, yeah, she's a good actress, but she didn't get any lines, really. Oh, I know. It was just crazy. So overall, though, what I gleaned from this movie is what I found as positive, was uh, Darth Maul's duels, they were top-notch. Oh, it was uh, guy, expertly choreographed, and, and, and oh, he, yeah. he, you know, he, the real-life person, I forget his name, had skills with a Z. Yes, yes. absolutely. Uh, Liam Neeson and Ewan McGregor's characters were, were uh, very well-acted. Uh, Ewan McGregor will get the blessing of continuing to get him in the next two movies, and mm -hmm. uh, he was a good uh, tribute to Obi-Wan, I thought. Um, and, of course, um, in all three movies, I love Palpatine. Uh, Ian uh, McGiarmid, yeah. I'm going to say. Uh, I loved him as Palpatine. He was very manipulative. He was very uh, duplicitous, and uh, he was very schemy, and I, I, I loved the, uh, in the increasing uh, politics uh, as things were uh, progressing. Okay. So the negative, um, I found the direction to be very poor. Mm. Uh, there were so many scenes where they should have said, cut, 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 redo. Yep. You know, so many, you know, especially when it dealt with Natalie Portman and the little kid. It, it seemed like so many times when he was interacting with Ray fake Park. Thank objects. you, Garth. What's that? The, the, oh, Ray Park. the guy who played oh, Darth yeah, Maul. Yeah, Ray yeah, Park. Yeah. Skills. Yeah, the script was lacking uh, in this first episode one, and the pace was painful at times, very slow. Uh, Tatooine, uh, yeah, it was painfully slow. Uh, Naboo, painfully slow. Mm. Uh, 
So I didn't like the fact that Darth Maul kind of died like a chump. Yeah. It was almost it was almost like the Greedo scene where uh, it was just poorly uh, choreographed, where they, they had the shot come first and it shouldn't have. Well, why did it take so long for Obi-Wan when he did the flip to strike him down? I mean, Darth Maul's got lightning-like reflexes. He should have reacted much more quickly. Yes. That was a painfully slow flip and lightsaber grab. It could have been a better, uh, better death scene by far. Uh, and your favorite character's coming up. Jar Jar Binks. Uh, surprisingly, I decided to put him in the negative column. Oh, um, come on. Yeah. It was over Give the Give me a chance. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> uh, it was over the top childish. It is. It, uh, is. it, it was borderline just insulting to watch. It was borderline. I think he crossed the border at one point. Yeah. And, and you, everyone else is going to think you think so, too, because half of these pictures are of Jar Jar in a horrible position. Right. So, and of course, Anakin, I don't blame the, the child actor. Not at all. Um, in fact, the, you'll look after this movie. All he did was uh, some video game voiceovers. And after that, his acting career was over. Mm. But um, he could have possibly had a better acting career. But I think it was really in the hands of the director to make sure that he redid his lines until they were acceptable. And yep. that did not happen. Uh, and I found that the blooming love interest between the two, Padme and It was Anakin, awful, yes. Because it was it was, was kind of like pedophilia at some point, you know? You're like, ah. Uh... Yeah. yeah, it was very, very strange uh, to even start to even have a hint of that now. Yeah, like, that's a little yeah. weird now. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, I didn't like the concept of midichlorians. No, the idea of midichlorians was dumb. Yeah, I, I when I was growing up as a kid, the Force was a magical for power, you know, that... Uh, you know, I don't know how many times I tried to use the force as a young child. You know, uh, <laughs> it was ridiculous. Uh, but uh, yeah, when they just made it a biology, that kind of uh, made it kind of what? No, it's not. And then yeah, but by far too much children's content. Yes. Maybe so. Overall, you know, my rating on this one, I think Amazon or uh, IMDb gave it a six point five. That's over six hundred thousand people reviewing it. I think I looked at that one. Okay. And then um, let's see here. You gave it a five. Yeah, yeah, six hundred eighteen thousand people okay. reviewed that one. Yeah, and I gave it a um, a five, which I think is a lot better than it deserves. But right, what what's so, next? Five is worth watching once. You know, for oh. me, watch watch okay. it one time. I'll never watch it again, even though I did watch it five times. Okay. So, um, yeah, next uh, episode two, Attack of the Clones. Um, positives. You know, uh, keep in mind this is still a George George Lucas film, uh, directed and written, uh, which probably isn't speaking a lot because if you look at later on, I'll show you uh, positives to this. Uh, the opening sequences uh, were uh, I enjoyed it. It showed a good uh, companionship between Padawan and uh, uh, Jedi Master, mm -hmm. where he's you know when they're running around chasing that one uh, lady. Uh, yeah, assassin, pretty, right. It was pretty exciting, and I loved the banter between him and his student, you know, and he was starting to be rebellious, you know, that's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. You know, even McGregor again, shining example of Obi-Wan, Palpatine, top-notch, and of course now we enter Django Fett. Yes. And that is Tamira Morrison, and I, I really found the character intriguing, I liked him. Um, it was kind of a, uh, it brought a kind of a bounty hunter kind of thought to that character, it was more... Uh, 
when they tied him into being like actually the model for the clone, right? It was it was interesting because it gave more presence for Boba Fett and of course Jango Fett throughout the entire Star Wars series, just for the fact that he was the model for the clone. Like yeah, the, the the reason that his armor looks a lot like a stormtrooper armor is because his he is a clone of the guy who is the basis of the clone. Mm-hmm. All right. And then Makes for sense. action, the arena Jedi battle, especially after the monsters were defeated and then all the Jedi swarmed in to help. Yes. That was pretty uh, that's cool. That's when it, it became pretty interesting then because then you started to realize that the Jedi, they're not invulnerable. They're not invulnerable, exactly. You know, you, right. you get 100 people against one Jedi, the Jedi is going to go down. I mean, he's right. going to take an and inordinate it, amount of people along with him, but yep. he's going to die. Yep. But uh, all in all, though, it was an excellent battle sequence. And, of course, the, the political intrigue and the manipulation from Palpatine just increases and increases sure. with this one as well. So the negatives, I, I was not a fan at all of the cyborg force robot monster. Oh, the General Grievous? Forums. Yeah, that was <laughs> out of place in this universe, I felt. It was kind of a stretch. Yeah, he's kind of um, horseshoed in there, in my opinion, as well. Yeah, because if you look at all the later movies, there's nothing ever even close to anything like that. No. And no droids that even move like that. So it's just it's just strange. Uh, I found all the other battles to be very very mediocre and almost like video game cutscenes where mm-hmm. it was all CGI battle stuff. Kind of similar to the Naboo battle. where uh, And it's all boring clones. You have no, no attachment to the characters. You know, I found battle scenes in the cutscenes for Star Wars The Old Republic to be far superior to a lot of these battle scenes in wow. some of these earlier movies. Uh, Jar Jar Binks. Still there. Still, still kicking. Still there. Still kicking, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, um, of course, uh, the awkward love interest. Oh, especially it, it that continues. whole sand thing. That whole thing about sand, it gets everywhere nonsense. Yeah. Jesus, yes, who wrote? Yes. Oh, my God. That yeah. could have used a rewrite. Yeah, they, uh, they didn't do a very good job of uh, developing a romance between them at all. No, no, no. Well, uh, he appar- he apparently is a D-bag in real life, so, okay. Oh, so maybe he was just hard to work with. Yeah, maybe so. So, what maybe. happened with episode three? No, no, wait, we, we haven't gotten your rating for episode two yet. Yep, so, uh, in any case, IMDb gave that one point one higher, and oh. uh, I gave that one one entire point higher of a 6.0. Still worth worth watching once, but I would never go back and ever watch it again. I even though I did watch it three times about. Uh, yeah, it was Jar Jar again. <laughs> yeah, poor Jar Jar. All right, what do we got now? Episode three. Okay, so episode three, Revenge of the Sith. So this is where I started thinking that they're starting to get on the right track of what they needed to be doing all along, but uh, there were still some definite negatives. Mm-hmm. Um, so overall, positive. I'm a big fan of Ewan McGregor and all his movies, but I, th- I thought he was spot on with Obi-Wan. Uh, and again, Palpatine, top-notch. Now I started to notice Samuel Jackson's character yes. in this window. He's got I, a lot more was, lines, a lot more screen time in this one. Yes, he was kind of mediocre in the other ones. He shined mm-hmm. a little bit in Attack of the Clones. Well, they didn't let him swear. That's where Samuel yeah. Jackson... <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> if he had a big, like, uh, long nose, like uh, 357, then, yeah, it would have worked better. Um, but he did get his purple lights, lightsaber. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and of course, we started to feel like the really dark feeling of, you know, uh, the Jedi's in Twilight the series. Yeah. yeah. The, the Jedi just started dropping like flies. And it was actually, I, I, I found it a little traumatizing when I was watching it because, you know, I love all things Jedi. Mm-hmm. And it was really sad to see some of them fall and be betrayed by, uh, by the Republic. And, um, 
I guess essentially what's going to be, become the empire. Mm -hmm. But uh, the political intrigue and, of course, manipulation comes full circle. Uh, Palpatine's betrayal comes all into light. And, of course, uh, he pulls uh, young little Anakin under his wing and manipulates him into betraying as well. The, uh, the end battle with Obi-Wan and Anakin, I actually enjoyed that. No, I would have put that... I would have put that in the negative column. Oh, really? Yeah, the reason being is because uh, in in, the, in episode one, uh, Obi-Wan was had the had the low ground, whereas Darth Maul had the high ground, and Obi-Wan wins. At the end of this fight, uh, Obi-Wan had had the uh, had the high ground, and uh, Anakin had the low ground, but Obi-Wan wins again. Well, do you don't think it could be a playoff of that? Like a little unexpected reversal? No, Obi Wan sh should have lost. He should have died. He should have well, died right there. He should have died in the first film. <laughs> okay. And gotcha. because he but didn't, I, I, Anakin should have killed him in the third one. I wasn't really. The fight choreography was pretty good, but I wasn't really concerned too much of, about that this time. I was more concerned about the, uh, the rage of Anakin and the frustration of Obi Wan trying last ditch effort to pull him out of his. Uh, his his essentially his fall to darkness right. which was of course he was on he was on unachievable un, unsavable yeah and, and uh, let him live which is another d-bag move yeah but he probably thought he had died he probably thought he, he left yeah him. yeah uh yeah your, uh, your 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 former apprentice is now slowly burning to death in lava no 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 right. no let him let him burn just walk away yeah. wow dude really that's cold that's cold but he, now keep in mind though i mean he did and obi-wan was quite knowledgeable of the fact that he uh okay duncan idaho you take that back you son darth maul's not a chump darth maul's not a chump like a chump he died like a chump but he wasn't a chump lucas chumped him out that's it all right so one of the things that uh obi-wan had experienced though was knowing what anakin had done and that was killing all the younglings yeah. So he should have I mean, been able to kill him. him to burn to death. He kind of deserved it. honestly. Yeah, I suppose if it were real, if it were me, I would be harboring that horrible emotion. Like, I hope he suffers. But Obi-Wan was a good Jedi. I don't I don't think he was harboring all that hate. And this was the movie where I didn't really and this would be a barely positive. It'd be almost a mediocre. Maybe I should have put like I did on some of the other slides mm -hmm. improving. Right. But it. I found Hayden Christensen's portrayal of Anakin to be improved. Better than clones? Better than clones, better okay. than, well, of course it wasn't Hayden Christensen in the original yeah, one. This is finally where Anakin, it, it would have been nice if it was played by maybe a little older person, so it would be an easier transition to Darth Vader. But right. uh, all in all, though, uh, I thought it was a, a better portrayal of Anakin Skywalker. Okay. So now, what about the uber negatives? Okay, so the opening action sequence, I thought it was a bit over the top, you know, with that ship just uh coming in from outer space right it didn't out of nowhere it. i mean it, it, it yeah. jumps you right into super action without any buildup. yeah and it was almost like it should have been like a climactic end scene almost uh where they maybe they could that could have been where obi-wan and uh you know uh anakin had their final battle or something but it was it was just over the top how they would even survive such a a, a like it, it was crash landing on a mm. planet this big ship free falling it would have burned up an atmosphere and made all the roast of up yeah just kind of silly um i found that the the love interests in all three movies including this one yeah any interaction the, between hayden right. christensen and uh it was all uh, unbelievable yeah it was all of all, it was bad 
yeah, the, the, he, I think he betrayed too quickly. I thought he turned too quickly. It was, uh, uh, and I thought that his corruption due to love was not uh, believable either. It should have been, they basically wasted a movie. They wasted the yeah. first movie. That could have been more Anakin character development. It was a waste. Yeah. So if they, yeah, it's hard to really pinpoint it. But And then, of course, at the end, I laughed. Oh, when he's, no! Oh, that was oh lame. Gosh, how cool. That was lame. Uh, at least he didn't yell freedom or something. <laughs> but in any case, uh, yeah, that Darth Vader's cry of agony, uh, I chuckled in the theater. I was like, oh, come on. All right, all right. So what would you give it? So on this one, uh, I actually ranked it 7.0. Uh, and this is one that maybe I actually might watch again in the future. I probably should have put an asterisk next to three times. I probably will watch this one again because mm -hmm. I really don't see much of a point of watching the other two ever again. You know, because this is kind of, if you want to know a little about Darth Vader, this is kind of where you get it, this third movie right here. All right. And the other stuff's just fluff in my opinion. Gotcha. All right, but what's yeah, next? Yeah, uh, 7.6. Nice. What do we got next? All right, so we got episode 3.5. Oh, that's Rogue right. One. Yeah, so it's right between, of course, 3 and 4. So it's Rogue One. Uh, a Star Wars story is the real name. So, I one thing I found very refreshing about this movie: there wasn't a single Jedi, there wasn't a single lightsaber in this movie. It was a Star Wars universe movie, right? Without Jedi, it was a and Star Wars that. story, not a right. Star I found Wars it very story. refreshing, very very refreshing, and uh, especially because I've been really burnt out on Jedi lately. Every video game I played, Jedi, Jedi, Jedi. You know, all these movies, Jedi, Jedi, Jedi. And here's one that's just focusing on the soldiers. You know, and I, I like that and the rebels and stuff. So it was fast, uh, fast paced. And I was supposed to say movie. Uh, lots of uh, lots of action, you know, all through. Just keeps you keeps you interested. Pace is good. Uh, and I love the fact that it, it explained the capture of the Death Star plans because it tied in heavily with the later movies, the right. original three. And it ties in even more later on because it slides right into episode four. I mean, you literally can watch them back to back. And it's just like, wow, it's like, it could be one big movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, and one thing that was nice too is with three, uh, with Rogue One, is even though we had all that glossy technology of episodes one, two, and three, which didn't quite make sense, now we're back to the original Star Wars look of everything. Right. More At the end of that movie, you, you got the same ship you got in the, in the one you remember as a kid. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of nostalgia you could pull from this as well. Uh, I actually was I was intrigued by the father-daughter storyline. Mm. It gave some good backdrop to her. And I'm, I forget the name of the actor who played the father, but uh, there was this one Viking movie he did that I really loved where he hardly says a word in the whole movie. But um, all in all, though, I, I really enjoyed this movie. The negatives, though, I found the characters generally to be unmemorable because they weren't very developed. Um, the mother or the father and daughter, I could, I've seen it twice and I, could, I couldn't even tell you their names. Uh, Forrest Whitaker's character, I could not tell you his name. I've seen it two times. Not one character could I tell you a single name of the character. Um, I don't know why. Uh, why? Maybe they never said the name as much. I, it, there was a lot of action and not a whole lot of drama and dialogue. Maybe that was it. I don't know. But uh, so I found the characters relatively unmemorable. The, the inspirational speech she tried to give her crew was usually. They're best left out of movies unless you really got a good one. Yeah. Because usually they're corny. You know, it's uh, everyone now in movies is trying to do the Braveheart thing with that inspirational speech, you know, where he's trying to rally his troops. No, you you got to have it. If you don't have it, you can't do it. Yeah, yeah worst one, uh, Independence Day. Worst inspirational speech ever. 
Um, oh, and I think really? They, I, I can think of a lot worse than that. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, well, I, every day at work, uh, yeah, I would have them. <laughs> so one of the things, and I actually did see this in reviews, people really thought Lando could have been included in this one. I agree. There could have been a cameo for Lando uh, in some way, or, especially because they already planned on including him in another movie, where they could have reused that same actor to give him a little bit more presence across the board, maybe look, make him look a little older. But Lando could have fit in nicely for a non-Jedi-type show because they were also they were down in kind of a a swindly area on that one planet you know where they were all uh, it was all kind of off grid and then of course it was a very big missed opportunity they could have killed off jar jar because when they nuked that uh, beach planet uh, he could have been sipping my ties on the shore oh that would have been and, it would no. have been a okay, movie. okay. Yeah, that's just that's, like, that's just your little fanfic fantasy there. Okay. Yeah, he's like, uh, Misa Wade. All right, all right. No. All right. How'd you rate this one? So I actually gave this seven point five. Just because all around, I enjoyed the movie. Um, it was in the Star Wars universe. There was really nothing really intrinsically wrong with it. You know, it was just a good sci-fi movie. Good action. Uh, you know, it wasn't. I, I just wish there was a little. It could have been longer. There could have been more character development. I really all thought. Right. And it was pretty much close to what IMDb rated as well. All right. So from 3.5, we go to the real first episode. Right. And this is where I'm probably going to get hate mail. And let me preface this. This is one of my most wonderful childhood memories. I've got hundreds of Star Wars figures up in my uh, attic. And uh, all things Star Wars, I think of these original three movies. There's just uh, – I'll get to the negatives later. But and keep in mind, now we're back to uh, – uh, we're looking at the, the really the one gem – from George, George Lucas. This is the one, in my, in my opinion, this is George Lucas's big success story, this movie. Um, yeah, it was, you know, he was the director and writer, again. You know, keep in mind, um, out of the uh, five movies we've talked about, including this one, he's only, uh, he's directed uh, and written four of them. He didn't direct or write Rogue One. Mm -hmm. um, but positives on this one, tons of nostalgia. I love this movie, I really, really do. Classic uh, story I, structure classic story structure yeah the, and the music, music from the time especially was excellent um so the uh the casting fantastic there's great uh, synergy if you will i hate that word but synergy between the cast i mean they just clicked and it was just like they probably had a lot of fun offset you could just tell that they were just oh they did uh lots of cocaine and cheating on your spouses <laughs> right exactly <laughs> yeah, you know you're gonna have a good movie if that happens yeah so wonderful uh, character interactions. I mean, just just amazing stuff, uh, and the diversity of personality types. It was mm -hmm. a good mix and match of you know uh, two different types of droids. You know, you had the swindler, you had the innocent kid, you had the 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 the, the, the sassy by, by princess. the book princess, yeah, yeah, and the old man who was you know trying to train and you know mm -hmm. it just it worked really well. It was almost like a D and D adventure where you picked one right, of each right. class and one of each personality. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, you, you could see the the rogue, the warrior, the the wizard. Yep. You know, yeah, you can see that. So overall, the mystical force—that—that's what got me into the series. I mean, I just loved it as a kid. Uh, I'm surprised, as much as I've tried, I haven't developed force powers. But uh, and then, of course, I found the end action battle very suspenseful, mm -hmm. and uh, it was a really well done, uh, even for those days of seat, or, uh, model uh, and trick photography. You know, yep. it, was, it was really good stuff. So the negatives is really going to be kind of going more into cinematography and special effects and uh and of course kind of and all of that has been fixed for free by, yeah <laughs> by today's standards even kind of sloppy directing 
Um, so awkward scene transitions. Uh, Greedo's poor aim, which I, I cannot believe they couldn't even fix when yep. they tried to redo it themselves. You know, they didn't even fix it. Uh, the special effects are very dated. And of course, they didn't resolve the Jar Jar mystery. What happened to Jar Jar? They should have added him in when they added special effects. You know, I, I just, I need to know what happened to Jar Jar. So, uh, yeah, he's still not dead. I need to know he's dead. Well, this what this is need. before. Well, no, okay, no, he's not. He, he's he's got to be dead. I mean, the emperor wouldn't <laughs> keep him around for it. But uh, for everyone who's who's watching right now, uh, type into Google Star Wars Despecialized Edition, and you will be able to download A New Hope for free that has uh, updated uh, special effects and scene transitions. Uh, th these are... Uh, these are brand new special effects overlaid or special effects from the 1993 Laserdisc edition or spe special effects from the, the Lucas uh, um, 2004 uh, DVD special special stuff at the end of the DVD thing the before he started changing things so the whole, the whole Greedo shooting first doesn't happen you know all of the special effects they're on point they're all, you know, up to up to early 2000 standards. So go and get that, and almost all this negative list goes away, except for the Jar Jar mystery. We don't know. And frankly, we don't care. But what, what did you give it? I gave it, so here's, this is the shocking thing for me, because I really had to think hard about this one. And it had a lot to do with, would I watch it again? And the answer is no. I would never watch this movie again. And the reason being is I lost count of how many times I've watched this movie after 25 times. And of course, I've probably seen it easily 30 plus times. And then if you add in the new versions, the special effects, who knows? And I just, I don't think it, I might have to turn that light back on this um, It, I just don't think it holds up anymore. To me, it's pure nostalgia. I love this movie. Okay, uh, I, you when uh, I, you've lost some you've lost some cred. Uh, <laughs> your your stock has gone down, in oh, mine and most people's eyes at this point. Oh, oh dear, I'm terrible. I mean, the the majority of people in the freaking world think you're dumb. This is the highest rating IMDb thing you said you put on yet. No empires. Oh, on yet. You're right. See. Um, so and the reason being is is because I'm looking more from this from a perspective of uh, rewatchability. Um, to me, this is a treasured gem from my past. It's almost like watching um, uh, like the Transformers cartoons. I loved them as a kid, but I watch them now and they are unwatchable. And I can, to me, this movie is is almost the same now. I just. I'll, I'll click through a little bit if I happen to see it on, if I'm in a waiting area somewhere. It's like, oh, cool, Star Wars. Oh, yeah, I remember that scene. But, but yeah, I just, I can't see myself ever watching this. So okay. I had to down. All right, we, we have to move on now. Okay. I'm not actually getting a twitch in my eye listening to you. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, Duncan Idaho mentioned something about Rogue One, about the, the whole sacrifice thing. Well, I think it was important that they did the sacrifices in, in, uh, in Rogue One, and just for the fact that that was what the movie was about, getting the Death Star planes. Even the references to who got them the Death Star planes, they said many people had lost their lives to bring them those plans. So that was a tribute. That movie, the whole movie was a tribute to who got them those Death Star planes. But uh, they died, of course, doing that. It was a hero's movie. All right, episode five. Okay. All right. 
Uh, episode uh, five, The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, so the positives, uh, suspenseful Hoth battle and rescue, loved it. Sure, that was good, uh, I liked it. There was a constant feeling of impending doom all through yes. the movie. I, yes, I it felt, was oppressive, yes. Yeah, I felt the suspense all through the movie, loved it. I love the fact that they uh, incorporated a lot of uh, Jim Henson production uh, mm-hmm. work in it with uh, Yoda and puppets and stuff like that. I love Yoda. Um, I even have an unopened Yoda. In my head. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and the Dagobah uh, foreshadowing, you know, when uh, Luke, of course, had his visions. I thought that was really cool. Um, and, uh, you know, you don't really see... Sci-fi's back in those days were really simple. And they weren't really, like, uh, well thought out. And I thought that was really neat. And, um, of course, uh, Luke and uh, Vader... Yeah, as a kid, I did not day. see that coming at all. That was oh, out of oh, left yeah. field. Oh, Struck me, me like nobody's business. Me neither. Yeah, I was, oh, I was yeah. shocked. I was like, what? It was out of there. Oh I gosh, mean, yeah. you, uh, the, our, our generation now... Uh, is is showing Empire Strikes Back to their children and then videotaping their response to this. You can look it up on YouTube. They're videotaping yeah. their response when he says, I'm your father. And they go like that. They, they look at their father or mother and go, is that for real? No. No. <laughs> it's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, if I had to change anything from the final climactic scene from Luke and Vader is where he's screaming out in agony, like, you're not my father. Oh, he's a whiner, yeah. though. I mean, he, he gets yeah, it from it his father. it was a little whiny. It was a little whiny. And now you know where he got it. Anakin was a stupid whiner, too. That's that's true. That's you get true. it. Yeah. It makes As sense. Christensen. It actually yeah. makes that scene more bearable, knowing that his whining is genetic at that age. I didn't realize whininess was uh, a gene trait. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, so, and I noticed I changed the next category to barely negative. Right. Uh, because I had to pick those coarse dated effects, but I found the directing overall to be much, much better. Mm-hmm. And of course, keep in mind, it wasn't directed by George. And they Lewis. have the despecialized edition for The Empire Strikes Back now as well. Oh, good, good. I'm about to check those out. That sounds really intriguing. So, um, I found the pace, and this was a bad time to have slow pace because Dagobah had a slow pace and Cloud City had a slow pace. And every now and then, in a lot of the movies, especially when they're not directed by George Lucas, they have two teams of people, and they're going back and forth between the scenes. Mm-hmm. George Lucas's directed films don't do that hardly ever. And they just focus on one group of characters all through the movie, kind of lame. And, but here you are, you have these two kind of slow-paced things that they're going back and forth to. Back, it's like slow to slow to slow to slow to slow. It's like, oh, wow. It really, kind of the center portion of uh, Empire Strikes Back kind of drug a little bit. They could have made some of the more training a little more exciting. Hmm. They could have made some more exciting antics there on Cloud City during the buildup before they got captured. But all in all, though, uh, like I said, barely negative. It just slowed down a little bit too much, I think, in the middle. Um, And then, of course, Luke's uh, eight-minute force abs. It's this minor training montage that you you can imagine that not a whole lot of time actually passed. Yes. It, It was supposed to probably have taken over the course of several months. And it felt but like that's not possible, there. right? Right. It felt like he was there for probably thirty minutes, especially because it was going back and forth with Cloud City. It felt like he was there for not even a day, maybe two, mm-hmm. maybe three. It's true. So, uh, it's true. so I, I really wish that maybe they had him. Stop bringing up Jar Jar, Jesus! Let him go. Let him Jar- go. Yeah. What happened to Jar Jar? Let him go. I mean, he could have been on. He could have been on Dagobah with Yoda, just let, chilling. Let Jar Jar go. You know. All right. What What do you think about it? All right, so all in all, uh, it, it's my Oh, favorite my God, there's Jar Jar. Jesus. 
Yep. Come on. Oh, but he, he, I don't know. This is actually a little known fact that he actually auditioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Movie. Very good. Okay. Yeah. So in any case, uh, I, this is my highest rating Star Wars movie. I give it 8.0. Mm -hmm. uh, and you'll notice uh, when we get to the final scale that my, my first and last are the same pretty much in the norm with everybody. Sure. But um, I've easily seen this 10 plus more time, 10 plus times, and I'll, I'll definitely watch this one again. Okay, great. And we so next six. is? Episode there 6, Return of the Jedi. Uh, so, and I thought about it too, is that with the Boba Fett movie coming up, there's also a good uh, Jar Jar Binks opportunity because that could be his first hit he takes out on somebody. He has to go take out Senator That's Jar -Jar. That's what Duncan Idaho says. That's the best, the best thing for Jar Jar to come back is to be killed by Boba Fett. Oh, well, Duncan Idaho, you and me, we, we think alike, man. We're <laughs> probably not on the Star Wars rating of uh, The New Hope. All right, what do we got? All right, so the positives. I, I loved the, um, the Tatooine uh, rescue and battle. Sure. Uh, it was fast-paced. It, it was, was fun. Um, it really showed how Luke Skywalker had grown, grown. as a Jedi. Yep. Uh, it really kind of, you missed some story though. I really wish there was a movie right between Empire Strikes Back and yeah. the Jedi. Yeah. Missed story there. Maybe the books can clear up some of that. They probably do. Uh, Leah's but bikini, I probably should have put, I should have put Leah's bikini up top. <laughs> I, I it's but, the most uh, positive thing about the movie. <laughs> yeah. I just found if you just t type into Google Leah's bikini, you'll see this photo of like fifty ladies wearing Leah's bikini. Yes, and the, yeah, it's it's become right. iconic. It's it's across yeah. the world. That's that's yeah. a thing. I think speeder bikes are way more fun than pod racers. And oh, that easy, was easy, exciting scene. I love even the behind the scenes to Return of the Jedi. It's a really good behind the scenes mm -hmm. uh, uh, where they because uh, they're still doing a lot of things through. Uh, uh, models and mock-ups and stuff. Keep in mind, behind the scenes for CGI type movies aren't as interesting because it's all in a dang. Right, office. it's all green screen and people yeah, wearing wearing ping pong balls and stuff. Yeah, definitely watch the behind the scenes to Return of the Jedi because the speeder bike stuff is really cool how they did it. Um, so the uh, and then I think out of all those Star Wars movies ever, the final space battle in Return of the Jedi was better than any of the space battles of any of the uh, Star Wars movies, uh, hands down. Uh, okay. It was, uh, and the cool thing was, it was still using those models, but they they pulled it off you know, yes. well. It was just it was just so uh, hectic, and just crazy. And then every now and then it would cut to uh, Luke looking out the window with uh, the Emperor right in front of him. He's just looking at his friends die in the background, mm -hmm. and he's just so desperate to want to help them, but he's just powerless to help them. I just I got you. I got you. Suspense they're building. The uh, the culmination of uh, the father son story, of course, reaches its climax here. Love it. Um, so the negatives, though, I, I found the uh, the Rancor battle uh, special effects. Yeah, were, yeah, I I, I, I agree them. with that. That that was a real, real weakness. It was all claymation, and they had they had to put claymation into real life, and that never works out well. Yeah, yeah, yeah was, that was bad. It was a rough one, yeah. um, and probably only until today's capabilities can they pull. Can they do that and, effectively? Right. Yeah, effectively. Yeah, um, I think I didn't mind the Ewoks all that much. To me, they're like Jawas, but I think they got too much screen time. Yeah, uh, the uh, Ewoks are liked or not liked, depending on what age you were when Jedi came out. Right, yeah. yeah. I was older. I was probably like, I don't know. Yeah, we were older at that point. Yeah. So, the 1983. We didn't like so, I was yeah. 10 years. No, 1983. I don't know. 86, maybe. So, the, the slow pace of the Ewok treehouse scenes, kind of in the middle where they were regrouping, that. That gave the Ewoks way too much screen time. The pace slowed down. They should have kept it moving. Okay. And then, of course, uh, I, I, remember Let the beginning? Go, 
in the beginning where uh, Jabba the Hutt sends somebody down into the Rancor pit, uh, it should have been Jar Jar Binks. They could have had him right there. Sure. Just going, like, then there'd sure. be a whole movie on how he got to that point about just Jar Jar. I think that would be great. Great. Yeah. All right. What would you give uh, episode six? So this is my number two. It's also the number two on IMDb. No, I'm sorry. It's the number three on IMDb. Uh, 8.3 for IMDb, and I gave it a 7.5. I'll definitely watch this one again in the future. I've easily seen this one 10 plus times. <laughs> All right. Thank and you. next we have episode seven. Ugh. All right. So The Force Awakens. Oh, no, you are I not scarier was... than Revan, you punk. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. So... The Force Awakens, I love the series got rebooted. I'm really excited that it did. And I'm glad that there's a lot of tributes to the old movies in this uh, resurgence, you know. Um, so, of course, you got the closure of Han Solo's character. I, no, I no one likes that. Better. No one likes that. I like that he had closure. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, no, one, no one intelligent likes that. See? <laughs> See? Right, so I, I like... <laughs> right. So uh, I like that uh, they had closure for Han Solo's character. Uh, you know that, that they're they're going to be closing out these old characters, bringing them to a, a, a finality. I like that there was conflict between him and his son. There could have been more story there because we didn't know his son, so there was no like like who's his son? Who cares? You know, there could have been some build up. There could have been a whole movie with Han and his son where they're adventuring together. Who knows? But I mean, you know, it's it, it's like the son's out of the, out of left field you know and you know there was so he got killed by his son it's like okay that's fine but we didn't know his son so it wasn't very good here. yeah right it, it wasn't so done I very well fact, i like the fact that they had closure for han solo's character and i'm glad they did it but you'll see in the negatives i also have closure for han solo's character i don't <laughs> like how they did it um so i have now a new hope for a new audience for star wars i have a new hope i was really reaching for things to like about this yeah movie. i got you uh, a new hope for a new cast. And I did like a lot of the casting other than Kylo Ren. Yes, uh, Kylo Ren was just... Uh, the actor is 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 not a douchebag. I mean, if, if you're talking to him in real life, you know, see him in our interviews, he's not that. Apparently, it was written so Kylo Ren would, would be a, a temper tantrum-having little bitch. God, I yeah. can't believe I said that. But yes. That's too bad. I mean... I think it was a bad decision on how they wrote him and how they and who they cast. It's true. Maybe maybe if they wrote him differently, it wouldn't feel so bad. Yeah, that definitely. Who they cast, but all in all, though, uh, he just seems kind of like a somebody I'd see dressing up in a Star Wars outfit at a, a, a convention. Yeah. You know, he just doesn't seem like he's a lead villain material. Yeah, I got you. Uh, that was a Star Wars the, tech and effects thing you got the, in here. What does that mean? Yeah, the the, the Star Wars tech and effects. Basically, we got rid of the whole Phantom Menace, weird, shiny technology stuff mm -hmm. they had, and we're back to the old school stuff. Right, right. I know what I was talking about with Rogue One. Yes, yes. You know, it's, it's all back. It feels like Star Wars again, and I, and I really liked that. So the negatives, of course, the closure for Han Solo's character. I think Han Solo kind of went out like a chum. Uh, it could have been a much more dramatic uh, scene. Maybe he was doing some sort of, uh, I don't know. It, it's just hard to. No, I get it. I get it. Hard Everyone gets that. Everyone yeah. gets that. Yeah, so, uh, and I was very disappointed the fact that it was another... Yeah, that is super stupid. I, I basically stopped watching it th at that point. Uh, yeah, I was so disappointed. You know, and of course we had another, you know, going through the little tunnel and stuff like that. I was like, oh my gosh, it's the same movie, just with different actors. Yep. Uh, the movie climax was, uh, you know, ultimately uh, very stale. Um, 
unmemorable. Um, yeah, I found Kylo Ren just ultimately uh, uninteresting, wimpy, yep. and overall just an uh, unmemorable film. Uh, and, and again, you Jar Jar. Okay. Well, no. Now I'm thinking Hall of Naboo because you might miss them. <laughs> but if you, you get the whole planet. planet, you get the whole planet, then you have a better chance. And see, they had to pick a planet to destroy for this movie. Why didn't they pick Naboo? Then the Jar Jar problem would be gone. It would be okay. resolved. All right. So you know, what would you give this one? I can only imagine it's going to be awesome. So I gave it a, a 6.5. I've watched it once. I might, I, I will watch this again because sometimes when I watch a movie a second time, I glean something more interesting from it. But uh, IMDb gave it surprisingly. An uh, 8. I can't see that as, okay, that, that has to mellow out over time. Has to. I, I'm thinking, you know, I, I wonder, you know, oh, if God. it was higher earlier, but, you know. Uh, in any case, yeah. Wow. Okay, let's get off this trash. What's next? All right, so next, Episode 8, The Last Jedi. And you guys will probably disagree with this one a little bit, too, because I actually rated this one higher than uh, Force Awakens. So um, I found some things uh, somewhat positive. I found Kylo Ren's character developing. Yes, he, he, uh, he actually got some interesting lines in this movie rather than just whiny, whiny, crash, crash things. Yeah, Beldahar said it depends on if you had to pay to watch it or not. Yeah. If it was free, it wasn't too bad. Yeah, okay, fair. Yeah. So uh, Ray and Finn's character also developing. Um, eh. So okay. you know, I, I, you right. know I, I'm getting some attachment to them because they kind of came out of left field and right field, and now I'm like, okay, I'm starting to get a little attached to them. There, there, there's some good uh, interactions now. So I found that <laughs> where are the porks? A, Nowhere. <laughs> so we've we've no, the porks. Yeah. yeah, the little things, the little things on on uh, Luke's Luke's planet. A little yeah, I think it's a things. given that every Star Wars movie is going to have some content for kids. Yes, and, and the just, only time just I really, let it go this time. Yeah, the only time I care to bring it up is if they go over the top with it. Like, of course, Phantom Menace or uh, Ewoks went a little over the top. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, the Porgs, I, I, they weren't so prevalent, you know, that it bothered me too much. And it was good for the kids, I think. But the, the love temptation I found to be an interesting dynamic, though I thought it was done poorly. Mm. Um, you, never before we had uh, the villain and the hero actually have some sort of weird love angst between them. It's always been, you know, well, honestly, guy, guy, and uh, just kill, kill. You know, it's now there's an there's an additional dynamic that could be interesting in in the, in the future, but it, it turned out to be a little bit interesting in this movie as well. It, it made things have an interesting turn of events where, of course, Snoke got killed. Sure. And, uh, he died like a punk, though. He, he he died very, very. Uh, what's his nuts? Um, Darth Maul, just punked out. Yeah, you know, but I never honestly liked Snoke. I thought. Well, he was no, awesome. no, they didn't use him at all, except for the floating head of Oz in the background. Yeah, he you was know? no Palpatine. So no, of course not, because they didn't use him. Way. But unfortunately, though, what that left them with was essentially no interesting villain. Right. Um, so now they have Kylo Ren, which hasn't proven himself as an interesting villain. He always still seems kind of wimpy and whiny. Yes. And now they've killed Snoke, which could have developed into a good yeah, villain. Yeah, he was totally mauled. Now he's, yep. now he's gone. But they could bring Jar Jar back in, maybe, and that would help. Stop it. So, um, but good pace and action, and there was always a, kind of a sense of impending doom because they were on the run. You know, so uh, I really liked that. So, um, <laughs> Snoke was mauled. <laughs> So the negative, though, uh, Luke's uh, rushed character closure again. That whole thing was just a f yeah. 
awful so I, wool crap. I didn't mind. I did not mind um, Luke's uh, projection of himself astrally. I minded greatly that it killed him because it, it just consumed so much force power to do it. I guess right. I don't know. You know, or maybe he felt it, it could have been this. It could have been. You know what? Now that I've done this, the way I can best serve them is to end myself so I can appear as a force ghost everywhere to give them guidance everywhere. Maybe, no, the, you know? the best way you could have served them is to chase down your, your murderous student and stop him from trailblazing across the galaxy, killing all the folk, learning, you know, using all the force abilities that, that he learned from you. Instead, you turn into a broken old man, little wuss, hiding on your frickin' planet like a, like a little pussy. Stop it. Awful movie. Awful movie. Obi-Wan Kenobi spent 30 years or so on that crap hole Tatooine just for you. And this is how you repay him? F you, dude. F you. For whatever reason, they tried to make him like a a grumpy Yoda. And I I didn't like how his personality had changed. I didn't like... um, I, I did enjoy the rationale of why he retreated, but I, it would be something I think he could have gotten over in a year or two. Not yeah, give up I know, right? Life in general. Yeah, instead of hiding on the thing. Yeah. And oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I said 30 years. He was actually only on there for like 16 or so. Sorry, mm-hmm. like half that time, 16 years. But, but still, I thought, 16. I thought even uh, Luke's lines in script were pretty horrible. Yeah, yeah, they weren't written well. You know, uh, he didn't seem like a Zen master at all. He seemed like a uh, kind of like a comic strip. Yep. So in any case, um, you know uh, that that whole training scene. Oh was no! The, no, they they've already established that you don't need training to be a Jedi anymore. You don't. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah. Ray had had one little Force vision and and was able to best Kylo Ren in a lightsaber contest when Kylo Ren actually had years of training. But you think about it though, Luke's training extended from one trip on the Millennium Falcon, yep. where he got to attack a little ball that shot lasers at him, yep. and uh, about 30 minutes with Yoda, or which could have possibly been. Well, question. now hang on, hang on. Uh, in, in between his his uh, montage with Yoda and, and uh, um, the crap, Return Sorry. of the Jedi, he had presumably several months, maybe even a year or two, while Han was in his stasis. True, but that's after he faced down Darth Vader. Yeah, who was yeah and he got his butt like kicked. I mean, Vader was playing with him the entire time. It was obvious. Right, right. Yeah, yeah that's true. That is true. I mean, he started. He was, he was having fun with him by, by throwing the station in little pieces at him, just for funsies. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, so all in all, though, uh, yeah, this was... But as a whole, what I liked most about this movie was uh, had nothing to do with... Um, what's the girl's name again? Ray? Ray, yeah. I, I got more enjoyment out of this movie with uh, without Ray and without uh, Luke. Uh, all in all, I enjoyed it more than The Force Awakens because at least it was new story and not a re- regurgitation of another right. Death Star. And it was new types of action and stuff like that. And I have actually seen YouTube clips of, uh, of the Leia scene where she uses the Force to bring herself back in the ship where they, where they put a, uh, a, a very realistic-looking umbrella in her hand. You should look that up on oh. YouTube. I forget what the video is actually called, but it's there. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, that's awesome. For uh, Mary Poppins. Yep. Leia. 
for the Mary Poppins oh, that would, that, that would be perfect. And you, what I hated about this is that Leia always had subtle force powers. Yes. And now she's floating throughout her space. Well, come on. She's had, what, suit. 20 years to, to train herself? I mean... If, training yourself sucks, but if you're doing it for 20 years, you get you get some progress. I get it. Yeah, yeah. That, those are the. Uh, but the what what would have been better? Wars. What would have been better is if is if she floated to a large chunk, and force jumped off of that large chunk. That would have been cooler. No, what would have been better is if that was her end scene, her death scene, because it would have actually been one of the good ones out of the three. Yeah, fair. You know, but you know, she was already Luke's in the other movies. Wasn't that so. good? Han Solo's wasn't that good. Leah's could have been good right there, and for whatever reason, they decided not to do it. So, um, and maybe it's because they want to continue doing a tribute to uh, Carrie Fisher through all the remaining movies. Possibly, I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, all in all, though, um, yeah, didn't like that. Yeah. So, uh, and I yet another Millennium Falcon chase. And this one was worse through, than all the others. Going through all the yep. the, you know. Something new, please. Something new. And then, of course, Kylo Ren throwing his little hissy fit. Which um, is his bread and butter. That's that, that's his well. That's where he yeah. goes. Yeah. He must be related to Andy. Okay, so, you know, most likely he is. He definitely yeah. is. You know it. So, what do we got? So, I was pretty close. Oh, to more charge. On I was a little lower than IMDb, 7.0. I watched it once, and I... I Definitely will watch this one again to see if I glean anything different. Sometimes I watch something a second time, I, I hate it, or I hate, end up liking it less, or I'll end up liking it more. Uh, it really depends. Like Doctor Strange, I liked it less the second time I watched it. Uh, Superman versus Batman, I actually liked it more the second time I liked it. The first time I was very disappointed. The second time I was really looking for things to like, and I ended up being okay with it. All right. So, uh, but that's a different topic. All right, so what do we got next? So the next is the uh, overall rankings. Okay, so, I have a problem with this right off the bat. Yeah, go go for it. Okay, uh, A New Hope, for some reason, is below Rogue One. Now, right. well, now, there is something to be said for Return of the Jedi, maybe. I would put it number two. I would put A New Hope number two, Return of the Jedi number three. But okay. there is That's some merit to having Return of the Jedi number two. There is merit. I'll give it. But a new hope over Rogue One, you lost your mind. You lost your mind on that one. You're a little weird on that one. And it was very difficult to do. And it was basically because I have no replay of value for yeah. it. I, I, it's just something I loved as a child, but I just it's almost like trying to watch Night Court, the uh, television I understand. Once you watch the despecialized edition, it will go back to its proper place. You think so? Yeah, I know it. I know it. Okay. 100% sure. All right. Well, that'll be an interesting challenge. Uh, send me that link so I can... Now, I, I can tell right away that you and the world are are of the same mind on number one and number last. Yeah, exactly. And you very rarely encounter people that uh, disagree with what was the best, what was the worst. Right. Um, and it's, even if you go to Star Wars, or I'm sorry, Star Trek, almost everybody says Wrath of Khan the best, and everybody yep. says uh, the, the, the... Stupid God the, one. The, fi the, the final frontier. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the God one was horrible. So... Um, and it's always the in-betweens that were the really argument. Because yeah. But Rogue One, there was really just nothing ultimately wrong with the movie. It was just it's not ultimately good with it either. Yeah. Eh, you know, it was a good sci-fi. All in all, you know, it doesn't have to be a blockbuster. Seven point five is yeah, a, a, just a definitely a, some replay value there. But you know, then you look down. Notice a trend though. Any guesses on what the asterisks mean? 
Uh, I'm thinking that they have this exact same story structure as the ones that came before it. No. What does the asterisk mean? Those are the ones directed by George Lucas. Oh. Yeah. So notice the trend. His typically are low. Especially in your list. Well, uh, just because New Hope drops down a little bit. Yeah. You know, he. I honestly, that was his gift to humanity, in my opinion, is that first movie. Yep. You know, it. I have a great place in my heart for that movie, but it just it has no. Uh, like, if somebody were coming to me has never seen. Stop it, saying it has no replay value. I want you to stop saying that sentence, and then you can continue with the rest of your life. <laughs> Phantom Menace was a plague upon the earth. Now, I still think it's worth watching once to get some of the story you can glean from it. Half of the movie is just completely unwatchable, though. Um, the uh, here's the deal though if somebody walks up to you and says hey I've never watched anything Star Wars which movie should I watch first what do you say do you say go with the originals first yes where do you start yes so you say, you'll say A New Hope first you wouldn't even tell them Rogue One no first, I wouldn't even tell them any of these other things exist you know why because if you start with number one which most people would if they knew nothing they'd never watched episode two they would never watch it they'd go whatever I, I pretty much agree unless they just absolutely love yeah, like and, a, and if you absolutely love Phantom Menace, you, I don't want to know you. If they love sci-fi or they're young, because there's a lot of kids' content. Yeah, okay, the, no, I still, I still, New Hope, right away. Boom. Mm -hmm. The original the original trilogy in the original order. I would start them off on Rogue One <laughs> and, then, and then give them the disclaimer, because nope. it leads so beautifully into A New Hope. I mean, it's it, they could be one movie, essentially. Yeah, but and, they, have, they have different tones. I mean, uh, uh Visually, yes, they lead perfectly into, they lead out and lead into each other. True, but they have completely different tones. Right. Yes, but uh, all in all, though, um, that way they get pulled in with uh, modern tech, modern story, modern acting, and uh, cinematography, and then just given the disclaimer. Oh, by the way, uh, cinematography and the New Hope is pretty painful. But no, it stop. I'm going to mute you. I'm going to mute you. All right, stop it. Stop it. Stop badmouthing New Hope. Before I was taking it, I was taking it. I'm not going to take it anymore. If, if anything, I'd like to badmouth, honestly, is uh, George Lucas's directing ability because he basically ruined those. Uh, I, uh, I have I have my mouse hovered over the mute button. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Attack of the Clones, Return of the uh, Revenge of the Sith, and, of course, uh, Phantom Menace. They could have been much better movies, I think, if uh, they had a better director. No, they, if they were written better. Oh yeah, he wrote them as well. Yeah, I know. If they were written better and had a and maybe well, written writing, better. Actually. Yeah, be, because for Empire and Return of the Jedi, he had a writer come in and fix his stuff. He had a writer polish it all up for him. Hey, Garthon's got a good question. Can Rogue One be appreciated without knowledge of New Hope? Uh, no. Is so basically, is definitely, Rogue One, he's got a good point. Is well, yeah. Their deaths wouldn't mean as much if you didn't already see a New Hope. That, that I would disagree with. I said as much. So, I mean, they still mean something, obviously, because they went out Blaze of Glory. But yeah. now you went out Blaze of Glory. Well, and... one of my complaints about that movie, there wasn't enough character development to care as much about the characters as you should have or could have. There yeah. could have been more character development yeah. uh, to allow that. But it was one sentence that gave reference to those people in those other movies. So how is that any sort of sort of portion? I mean, now we care about them just because somebody gets to know it's. You know, they could have used that opportunity to really beef up those characters a bit. Hmm. Even, like, in later movies, have, like, starships named after them and, you know, that kind of stuff. But that's all hindsight's 2020. I mean, that movie came out much later. But, 
don't know. You know, it, I would still start somebody on Rogue One if they were uh, especially younger because uh, trying to start somebody off who's young on old tech like that. Okay, how young are you talking? Because I, I would let a younger person watch A New Hope than Rogue One. Oh, like if uh, if your kid isn't allowed yeah. to watch violence, then yeah, yeah well, you wouldn't let him watch... Um, you could probably let them watch A New Hope. I, I would. I would do a year or two earlier. Once they're, than ready, once they're old enough for violence, then it doesn't matter. No, because they're all they're, violent. Because uh, A New Hope has a pretty much bloodless violence, whereas all, all the all modern violence is pretty bloody. Oh, okay, so what are, what is the age difference between uh, violence without blood and violence with blood? Uh, two year two year difference. Eight. Uh, seven, I mean, eight really, for bloodless violence really, uh, because they get that in cartoons a lot. They get bloodless violence in cartoons. And maybe 10, 11, 12, depending on the kid, for bloody violence. The only reference to Rogue One in the original trilogy was uh, Rogue Squadron. That's not true, actually, uh, Duncan Idaho. They gave reference to, uh, they specifically said people sacrificed themselves to bring in those planets. I, th- I thought it was Bothans, though, but that doesn't matter. Okay, now. They, they, did, they did say Bothans, so I don't did. know why they didn't go with Bothans. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't either, but that's the way it is. So this is your list. This is IMDb's list. Uh, the, we, we, have, we have contention. I want you to say that we only have contention on one item. The rest of them, I get. I can, I can yeah. see it. Our contention <laughs> yeah. is only that you're retarded on one thing. The rest of it's fine. The, the, the rest of it is is a legit opinion. And maybe it's centered on a lot of, a lot of the fact that I'm not a big uh, George Lucas uh, lover. I'm not a big Lucas fan either. He's a little fat tub he of crap. Ruined, he ruined three movies. Yes, he know, did. That, uh, He's a, yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yeah. All right. Luckily, now we're coming up to RNG because uh, Elgarian has seen Solo. He's going to give you a review about it. I'm going to try and make him say as many spoilers as possible. And then he's going to plug that solo somewhere in that wonderful, wonderful list that, that I just took apart. All right. So, oh, so you, do, you do want me to spoil it. Oh, I want okay. you to spoil as much as possible. They don't. Okay. These guys down here, they don't want you to spoil it at all. But you can spoil it all day for me. I don't care. Right, right. <laughs> Okay. So let's let's check it out. What do you got? All right. So the guys, I guess to uh, forewarn then, um, this will have spoilers. I actually was going to try to avoid them, but uh, heathens heathens up for it. So this this movie kind of was uh, uh, a concept similar to like um, uh, Rogue One, no Jedi. Uh, in fact, Jedi of course aren't even mentioned in this movie. Um, the timeline uh, takes place literally before Phantom Menace. And uh, so the actor they picked, who cast, Alden uh, Hendrick, uh, who played Han Solo, I thought he was pretty spot on for a good Except his face is a square. It's a cube. His head is a cube. It's not head shaped. It's cube shaped. So unfortunately, uh, Harrison Ford did not have any children that looked just like him who could also act, who also wanted to be cast for this movie. If that had occurred, maybe they could have found somebody that was near twin. Sure. You know who was younger, or they could have CGI'd him, but no. So well, whatever. no, no. The hair is perfect. Enough. The hair is perfect. Are you really? I mean, when you're taking a, a younger rendition of a certain character, you're really going to be that nitpicky? Oh no! Are Having you? a cube head. I'm nitpicky on everyone with a cube head. The the <laughs> dude has a cube head. Okay. Well, there's going to be some unseen uh, encounter with Jar Jar, 
Stop uh, in it. a later movie where he gets uh, hit in the head and actually reshapes it to be more like Harrison Ford's head. That just hasn't uh, happened yet. Don't makes worry. sense. It's Perfect coming. sense. It's All coming. right. Yeah. So, and you heard that first here, guys. Uh, it's a sneak preview. Okay, Han and so, Chewie introduction. Do you mean like they're introduced to each other? Yeah, the way they got introduced to each other, uh, I thought was really uh, fun. Uh, basically, Han was lowered down into a pit with a uh, starving Wookiee. And, of course, that starving Wookiee was Chewbacca. He was a slave to the Imperials. And um, it was almost like a little mini Rancor battle, but it was a bit comedic. And uh, it was, uh, but there were, Chewie had enough of his senses to know uh, what was still going on. And uh, they kind of planned their escape. And the adventures began with Han and Chewie. They start in this movie. And I, I, uh, I loved the interaction. Um, to me, there are two parts in this movie uh, made it Star Wars because everything else in this movie it was just sci-fi. sci-fi. It yeah. could have just been sci-fi. They oh, of course, in the Millennium Falcon. Oh, and of course, Lando. Yeah. Other than that, just sci-fi because those were the really the only re, re, uh, recurring characters you'll see later on. Um, but there is going to be another solo movie. They left it open for sequels. So um, yeah, but uh, Chewie, he he did great. He had a lot of good uh, good parts and uh, a lot of good interaction with Han. And, uh, a lot Perfect of diction, I'm, I'm told as well. Yep. So a lot of opportunity also for Lan and uh, Han uh, interactions. Um, there was even some play on the fact that Lando was saying Han instead of Han, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was funny. Um, they played. Sabacc. Well, you say Leah instead of Leia. Oh right, yeah, that's right. But it's it's okay if I do it. No, it's not. Uh, it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, in any case, um, they played Sabak twice. Uh, and the first time you're like, wait a minute, Han lost. Wait, no, but he wins because he wins the Millennium Falcon in a, a, a card game. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, it'll happen. And um, the uh, it's just fast-paced, action-filled, and they managed to fit in enough character development throughout the action. Unlike what Rogue One did, where it was more focused on action. Right. Uh, okay. But there was good character development. And what I loved most about this is. Not only is it leaving it open for a, a sequel, but it had a Phantom Menace tie-in that kind of made sense. Jar Jar? So, uh, yes. Finally, we're going to get to know. No. Uh, Darth Maul. Ooh, Darth Maul tie-in. Nice. Yes. And we, you know, Darth Maul actually spoke. And um, it, uh, I'm pretty, yes. <laughs> so, um, in any case, it, it bodes well for future Han Solo interactions with Jedi or Sith types, okay, uh, which could lead to some more Star Wars feel to the sequels. So I got high hopes. So what I really liked about it too, the space pirates, because basically Han joined a, uh, a, a criminal organization. Sure. And there was these space pirates that kept interfering. They're trying to steal from the other thieves. Well, they were kind of cool. They were mysterious, and they were very uh, aggressive, and it was neat. They led to some very cool action sequences. But unfortunately, you'll see later on in negative, the space pirates are also in there. And that's because they take their helmets off by the end of the movie, and then it be- they become super cheesy. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, are the, do they have, like, like giant baby heads or something? <laughs> No, but uh, the lead marauder, I think they were called marauders, if I recall. I might be wrong on that, sorry. Um, the lead uh, marauder uh, takes the helmet off, and she went through some crazy fight sequences, and she's probably like a 15-year-old girl. Um, 
So, yeah. Okay. But they kind of they kind of led you to believe that these space pirates are essentially the birth of uh, a rebellion, the rebellion. Okay. Kind of like the, the the infinitesimal beginnings of it. Sure. Kinda doesn't make sense because no. the, you know why would it be started that soon? No. You know? the, the the empire no would have reason. just killed all these little kids flying ships and that would be it well that too but we didn't have an empire yet this is even before the the uh, the republic was even in danger of becoming uh, mm -hmm. an empire so maybe they were being rebels to the republic possibly no no the empire should have been around because uh han solo would have been around this age 16 years after the fall of the republic you know he'd been around what 30 32, 16 years prior, you'd be a kid. That means it's the interim in between the fall of the Republic and a new hope is when this movie would take place. So the Empire is strong. The Empire is there. So you're thinking because of ages and timelines based on ages that yeah. Han Solo... Uh, Solo, this, this movie exists in between the Revenge of the Sith and a new hope. But it can't if Darth Maul is alive. It has to take... I know. And there's your problem. Okay, so you're so you're in a roundabout way trying to point out something negative, that they got some sort yeah. of uh, con they got a continuity problem. Yeah, I mean th this can't happen before uh, Phantom Menace, can it? I mean, it can't. Well, w when do they ever say how old anyone is? Do they ever say uh, you know he's 35? We all go off. Actually, uh, in the beginning, uh, you, you you can take it by Yoda's age, because Yoda Yoda says his age somewhere in episode one or episode two and then he says it again like in episode six <laughs> i like duncan idaho's idea no no it takes place after and darth maul's just still alive and he's got robot legs they actually now. did that in the in the uh in the well, cartoon you're, on, you're spot on uh, rebels uh, star yeah. wars rebels they actually had darth maul alive as, with robot legs he's not kidding oh seriously yeah yeah in, in the animated oh, okay. series he's alive with robot legs well, where did he get cut? Did he cut? Get cut he got cut in. He got cut in the junk. stomach, and they just right. plopped down some robot legs in the bottom of him, and bickety bam, Bob's your uncle. There you go. Oh yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah, but okay, uh, well, with I, with I, Anakin I and and uh, especially uh, Obi Wan. Obi Wan in the in Episode One was sixteen was between sixteen and twenty. And it, the and what? when when Han was when Han was you know twenty years old. You mean he was supposed to be sixteen or twenty? Yeah, he was supposed to be between sixteen and twenty. And in episode one, episode four, he was an old man. He was in his late fifties, early sixties. So that means during this time, Han, you know, Han lived. He wasn't. He might have not been born before Wait, the the uh, um, the uh, Empire, but he lived his entire life up until he helped f kill the Empire in the Empire. Oh, Duncan Idaho has got a very good point. Yeah, so this is, okay, so this is something I... Um, Forgot? Def no, no, it's just something I haven't considered that I've always thought when I saw Darth Maul that, well, it took place before, but if you guys are really thinking they're going to give Darth Maul robot legs... They did. And he's right. He tried to join the Empire in the beginning of the movie, an Imperial pilot. I See, there you go. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it would be between... So I, I have to see this just to figure out how Darth Maul, the, the ghost, was he, a, was he a force ghost? I don't know. How'd that happen? No, no. He was just on an intercom, but he looked very alive and well. Uh, he must have um, had robot legs. 
he must he must have robot legs. So they maybe they borrowed that from Clone Wars then. Not uh, wait, the, is that the name? The, of the no, the, the Rebels. No, it was it Rebels? Oh, Rebels. I think it was Rebels. Yeah, it was Rebels. Uh, Star Wars Rebels. You can watch it on Netflix. But you know, honestly, though, uh, whether it took place before or after, I think it would be really cheesy. I'd rather suspend disbelief and not worry about the ages than suspend disbelief and have Darth Maul have robot legs. You know, that's that's well, cheesier. I can't do you that. Know? You would rather Darth Maul have robot legs? I would rather. I would rather the story be placed correctly in the timeline. Well, you I mean, it's one. not that hard. One or the other. <laughs> it's not that hard. Mm-hmm. You know, you have an established deal. You, you're writing the story from scratch. You can put it wherever right. you want by writing right. it that way. Don't be a yeah. D-bag. Write it correctly. Right. Sure, okay. All right, what else we got? So in any case, um, and then I just noticed in the picture, too, all through the movie, every time I saw the Millennium Falcon, I was like, all through the movie in the beginning parts, you'll see there is not a notch in the be- in the front of the... Uh, really? The Corellian, uh, forget they fly, the... Uh, that you'll be always are used to seeing on the Millennium Falcon. Mm-hmm. I thought, why'd they change it? Why'd they, well, that's a silly change, you know? And then you realize later on the ship takes damage and now it's got the notch. Oh, he just never repaired it because it's not structural, so yeah. who cares? Yeah, Who, who maybe, wants to spend money they, on that? Yeah, exactly. So he probably just shored up all that, that stuff, sealed it all in, who knows? Okay, gotcha. Just lost a little cargo space, who knows? A little bit of aerodynamics, but... Uh, all in all, the, the notch was not there in the beginning of the movie, and the notch was there in the end of the movie. Okay. Yeah, okay. So what, what's this pretty... about a robot? So the robot, uh, this sassy robot in Solo was uh, unbearable. I, I am so glad this uh, robot died. Because uh, When you say been, sassy would, robot, I mean... It, it would have been, it had a, like a Earth-like sassy valley girl personality. Oh, you're kidding me? Uh, you serious? No. No, I'm not joking. Oh, that's yeah, that's just as bad as Jar Jar. Exactly, and that's why oh. it, I was so scared that she would be in all the future solo movies. But no, she dies, and but unfortunately, she gets a significant amount of screen time. And um, this, the scene where she dies, Lando's kind of weird, weirdly affectionate as she's dying. It's just like, oh, this is kind of strange. And uh, I really think that sassy robot, it was above and beyond what I would hope they would have done anything with a droid in this movie. Okay. Um, so what would you, would you give this overall? So overall, I kind of put it right up there with, uh, it was the same as, uh, Rogue One. No Jedi. It was a sci-fi good, uh, Han Chewie interaction. Uh, All right, we have a, we have a problem again. Okay. You, you haven't can, seen the movie. You can way. tell why you can tell why, because as you could see, you placed Solo above A New Hope, which brings A New Hope down even more, almost to the middle. Actually, so it's I, straddling I the middle I of the list. Place, I didn't place Rogue One, and I did not place uh, Solo above New Hope. I placed A New Hope down after reevaluating it. It's a significant difference because it's all based upon uh, could I ever really watch this movie and enjoy it again? Okay, stop. If you if you say no, no. replayability, I am going to kick you from the stream. Stop yeah, saying re- stop saying the word replayability. It has no rewatchability. Okay, you're done. Talk to you later. All right, he's locked. He's done. Oh wait, they can still hear you. I got I got to get rid of that. Boom. Now you now we can't can't even be heard. There you go. And that is the RNG for us today. Uh, to take a look at the Elgarian picture I got over there. That's nice, right? Isn't that nice? 
Yeah, it looks good, all frozen, and he's laughing like a little turd. But that's the way it is. That's the way it is. Yeah, uh, when when you when you badmouth the New Hope so many times at once, that's what happens. You just get you just get beat on. So uh, I want to thank uh, Elgarian for coming by. I'm not not for what he said, but for coming by. I appreciate him helping me out. Uh, Max Liao apparently uh, has has having trouble finding finding a stream. He's having trouble trying to find his flow. All right. So uh, hey. Uh, go ahead and uh, throw them a line uh, if you find find a game out there, something that's a little maybe on the cheap side that you think he'd like. Throw it in the comments, man. Throw it in chat. He'd be he'd be happy to uh, to hear it. And uh, you can watch Elgarian stream Shroud of the Avatar for uh, Forsaken Virtues Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. But he usually uh, does streams throughout the week uh, at starting at 9 a.m. Central Time. So you can watch him several times a week. And you can see his uh, his work for uh, Shroud of the Avatar at uh, rpota.com and sodahelp.org. Check those out. Those are going to be good for you. Now, let's bring, uh, let's bring him back. I think he's had his time out. Let's bring him back in. All right. You there? There you are. You're back. You good know, job. I, I, can, I consulted the lawyers, and uh, they say that, you know, I... I I did uh, breach the agreement. I did not say that one word. Uh huh. Okay. And I, so, and this is our streaming schedule right here. Uh, you can see it's Sunday at uh, 9, 9 p.m. That's going to be tomorrow. Uh, Garth and I will team up on Warframe. And uh, on Monday, I'm going to be playing something. I don't know what. 8 p.m. Central Time. You'll find out as, as soon as I do. And Elgarian, like I said earlier, uh, 9 a.m. Central Time, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, playing Shroud of the Avatar. He started now playing a new character for the first half of the stream and his established character for the back half so any new players can, can see how to progress and how uh, and how, how mining becomes easier I found that out watching the stream how mining becomes easier and easier to get more and more the more you do it and uh, his, his end result character uh, who has his shroud and it's all beautiful white and he's done all of the missions and all of the all of the uh, um, what do you call them? a quest? No, no, no. The uh, the the main thing, heart and oh, love, truth, and courage. Uh, yeah, quest the, the, those are called yeah. what? They're not just called regular quests, right? They're called. I, I would say like the virtue story. Virtues. There you go. Virtues. That's what I was looking for. Virtues. Where he's done all the virtues. He's got a shroud, and he, he's all established. And then Thursday, of course, uh, Garthon and I are going to team up again for Star Trek Online, and to, and this time, we're going to be playing the brand new content. That's right, brand new content. It's the Victory is Life update. It's happening on the fifth. And I believe that Thursday is going to be happening on the 7th. So if you haven't had time to go through the content, watch us do it because that's what's going to happen. And then Friday, we're going to host Soda. Uh, but uh, come the end of June, beginning of July, it's going to be Elgari and I playing Portal 2. Either sometime during the, during the day or during the evening. We don't know when yet. We're going to find out and we'll post it on the schedule before it happens. And of course, next Saturday, you can find 8 p.m. Central, the next uh, Legion Myth weekly live stream now again you can like subscribe and comment i appreciate it oh are you guys going you know what duncan i may have uh the, the mccool come back for mondays not this monday because it won't drop this monday it won't drop uh two days from now it'll drop this it drops the fifth so that's tuesday but uh the following monday definitely the mccool will come by and he will he will blast through the new content but uh, you can like, subscribe, and comment. Uh, you can see more of our stuff on Twitch. Definitely more of it on YouTube. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter and Discord to see what's happening now. And Amino 
and G2A. And of course, this uh, this is available on any uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music, and any podcast and aggregate everywhere. And of course, you can support us by Patreon Streamlabs donation, and of course, directly PayPal if you want to. But the gear is best. The gear is best. And uh, Elgarian, and I see that does not have gear on today. Did you, I bought this gear. Buy, buy, buy some gear, yeah, man. Gear? Buy some gear. This is Shroud of the Avatar gear. No, buy some... Buy, come on. Buy some real gear. 